The Bible says God will fill you with joy and peace through your faith in him. In other words, as you put your faith in God, he gives you peace and joy and hope. In fact, the Bible says you'll overflow with hope. But your hope is not just based on some wishy-washy optimism. It's based on the certainty that God will never leave you. He's always present. He's always watching over you. The Bible says God will guide you along the best path for your life. That's Psalm 32.8. And no matter what's happening, the good and the bad or the ugly, God's purpose is at work in you. Now, in addition, hope is the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out or how it looks to me. Even when we can't see it, even when things look hopeless, our God of hope is working to fulfill all our needs, even the deepest needs. God wants you to hear this good news today. In fact, I think it's why you're listening. I don't believe you're listening to this by accident. In fact, I've prayed that God would help people who need hope and healing to hear today's message. So join me today for Daily Hope as we discover how God meets our deepest needs. Today on Daily Hope with Rick Warren, we continue in a series called How God Meets Your Deepest Needs with part two of a message called Learning to Trust God, taken from various portions of Scripture. And now, here's Rick. The Bible says this in Isaiah 2.22, You should stop trusting in people to save you because people are only human. Don't expect a person to be the answer to all your problems. It's not going to happen. And if you do that, you're you're just going to set yourself up. There is only one Savior, Jesus Christ. Stop expecting anyone or anything else to be your Savior. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made Him, not other people, Him, their hope and confidence. What happens if you do this? We'll look at God's promise. Isaiah 49, 23b. Read it with me. Anyone who trusts in me will not be disappointed. You know why you're disappointed? Because you're trusting in other things besides God. You thought, this experience will make me happy, and it didn't, so you're disappointed. And you thought, this person in my life will meet my needs, but they didn't, and so now you're disappointed. Or you think, if I could just achieve this level of success and achievement, then I'll be happy and satisfied. And it didn't make you happy and satisfied. So you're disappointed. And this event and this person and this thing and this, if I just could buy this car, and then it disappointed you. Anytime you are disappointed, it is a warning light that you've trusted in something else for your happiness besides God. It's just a big red light that says, you got your values misplaced. Now, I love what uh, Emily Kingsley says about disappointment and handling disappointment. She, she's talking about the disappointment of when your kids don't turn out the way you thought they ought to turn out, particularly a handicapped child. But this has far more implication than just for parents. She says, I'm often asked to describe the experience of raising a child with a disability to try to help people who have not shared that unique experience to understand it and to imagine how it would feel. She said, it's like this. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and you make your wonderful plans. You're going to see the Colosseum, the Sistine Chapel, the gondolas. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian and it's all very exciting. 
After several months of preparation and eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go to Italy. Several hours later, the plane lands. The stewardess comes in and says, welcome to Holland. Holland, you say? What do you mean, Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy. All my life, I've dreamed of going to Italy. But there's been a change in the flight plans. And they've landed in Holland. And there, you must stay. Now, the important thing to remember is that they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence and famine and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out and buy new guidebooks. And you must learn a whole new language. And you must meet a whole new group of people that you would never have met before. It's just a different place. It's slower paced than Italy. And it's less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while and you catch your breath, you begin to look around and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills. And Holland has tulips. And Holland even has Rembrandts. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy and they're bragging about what a wonderful time they've had there. And for the rest of your life, you'll say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. At least that's what I had planned. And the pain of that experience will never, ever, ever go away. The loss of that dream is a very significant loss. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy that very special, very lovely thing about Holland. Now that principle applies to a lot more than just being disappointed in a child. Some of you on your wedding day stood at the altar and you thought you were going to Italy. <laughs> Am I right? Get it? Good. And you thought, man, I am going to Italy. And today you think you went to Bangladesh. <laughs> and if the truth are known, there's some massive disappointment. Oh, you hide it down. You put on the smiley face. But things haven't turned out the way that you quite intended them to be. The picture book story, fairy tale ending happily ever after. This is a test. It's the people test. Are you going to handle disappointment by complaining and griping and crying and grieving and worrying and all Or are you going to accept that God knows what's best, that God has a loving plan for your life, that God loves you and knows what you need more than you do, and that he's in control, and even the disappointments in your life have a positive purpose, even whether you don't understand it, or whether you understand it or not. It's a test. Are you going to trust God with the things that disappoint your life? 
That's Rick Warren with a portion of today's message called Learning to Trust God from the series How God Meets Your Deepest Needs. In just a moment, he'll continue with the message. But first, Pastor Rick has served the church locally, nationally, and internationally for more than 30 years. He's authored many books, including The Purpose Driven Life. If you've been touched by one of Rick's ministries, he would love to hear your story. So please connect with us at the Daily Hope website, which is rickwarren.org, or give us a call, 1-800-600-5004. That's rickwarren.org, or call us at 1-800-600-5004. More Daily Hope with Rick Warren in just a moment. How do you cope with stress, failure, depression, worry? In his book, God's Answers to Life's Difficult Questions, Rick Warren goes to the Bible for answers to 12 of life's toughest challenges using the examples of different biblical characters that face the same issues. Each of these studies offers simple ways to apply God's truth to your personal life, family, and work. To get your copy of the book, God's Answers to Life's Difficult Questions, for a gift of any amount in support of this ministry, go to rickwarren.org. Once again, here's Rick Warren. The Bible says, anyone who trusts in me will not be disappointed. The third test is the persistence test of life. And the persistence test is this. Will I keep my commitments? Will I keep my commitments? Now, life is about making commitments, folks. Your life is shaped by your commitments. Your character is developed by your commitments. Your influence, your success is is influenced by your commitments. Your eternal destiny is determined by your commitments. So you better choose what you're committed to very carefully because heaven and hell are in the balance. You become whatever you are committed to. The problem we have today is most people are half committed to two dozen things instead of being totally committed to the one or two things in life that really matter for now and eternity. And that's a waste. Now, if you're going to develop any habit or any skill or any maturity for that matter in life, you've got to learn to make and keep commitments. I mean, let's say you want to learn a musical instrument. You want to learn to play the piano. That's not automatic. You don't just sit down and all of a sudden it's instantaneous. To learn to play any instrument, develop a skill, it takes practice and more practice and more practice, which takes persistence, which takes discipline, which requires commitment. The hallmark of emotional and spiritual maturity is that you make and you keep wise commitments. The uncommitted person, there's a word for that person, selfish, immature. Immaturity shows itself in the inability to make and keep commitments. Now, some of you need to understand that no commitment that really matters is easy. They're all hard if they really are important. And so you can expect your commitment will be tested. Some of you are in the commitment test right now. Your marriage vows are being tested. Is it really going to be till death do us part? I made a vow in front of people and before God, till death do us part. Am I going to keep that? I'm going to say, oh no, I'm going to walk out. Some of you are having your personal integrity tested right now. 
I know the right thing to do, but am I going to do the right thing? Or am I going to do the easy thing, the convenient thing, the popular thing, the thing that everybody else wants to do, everything that everybody else is doing? Or am I going to do what I know is the right thing? Will I be a person of commitment and character? Some of you are having your commitments tested, commitments to God, to Christ. And it's a test. It's a test of your character. Look at this verse. It's Ecclesiastes 5.4. Not Ephesians. Ecclesiastes 5.4. If you make a promise to God, don't be slow to keep it. God is not happy with fools. So give God what you promised. Question. What commitments have you made to God that you have failed to follow through on? Read your Bible every day? To tithe? Join a church, get involved in a small group, find a ministry, share, share with your neighbors about Christ. What commitments have you made to Christ, to God, that you've just kind of let slack off? This is a test of your character and your faith. Look at the next verse, Ecclesiastes 8, 5. The wise man will find a time and a way to do what he says. He says, the wise person figures out a way to keep his or her commitments. The weak person just cops out. The weak person just says, yeah, I made that commitment. I'm just going to blow it off. You know, I, yeah, I made that commitment back then, but you know what? I'm not going to follow through on that one. I, was just, I just said it, but I, I, you know, I didn't really mean it. Times have changed. Circumstances have changed. Blah, 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 blah. Weak people give excuses Wise people find the time and a way to do what they say they will do. Do you want to be a weak person or do you want to be a wise person? This is a test. It's a test of the kind of person, the kind of character you're going to develop. This, folks, is one of the major faults in our society today. People give up in the test before hanging in there to make it through. They just give up too soon. People have one little marriage problem. Say, oh, I can't handle this. I, can't, I, I don't deserve this marriage. I got to get out of this relationship. And they walk just because they have a tough time. Say, I can't afford to tithe. I'm in financial pressure. And so they walk out on a commitment. I, I can't afford to do the right thing in the business because if I do the right thing, I will lose my job. This is a test. It's a test of your character and it's a test of your faith. The Bible says in Psalm 15 that God blesses the person who keeps his vows even when it hurts. God blesses the person who keeps his vows even when it hurts. That's the kind of person God blesses, and it's a test. The fourth test is the most important test of all, and it's the priorities test. And you will have this one many, many times. The priorities test in life is what will be first in my life? What will be first in my life? Now, one of the great promises of the Bible uh, deals with this test. It's Matthew 6, 33, a very well-known verse. Let's read it aloud together from the New Living Translation. Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Now, you have legitimate needs in your life. 
You have some financial needs. You have some emotional needs. You have some relational needs. You have some physical needs. You have some spiritual needs. They are legitimate and they are real. And God has promised to meet every one of those needs if you put him first in every area of your life. If he's in first place. You say, well, I got Jesus Christ first in my life. Saying that means nothing. It means nothing. I mean, it's very easy. Oh, yeah, God's number one in my life. I could even wear a T-shirt. God is number one. It means nothing. How do you know if God is really first priority in your life? How do you know? Well, I ask myself three questions. The first question I ask is, what do I think about the most? That's the first question. What do I think about the most? When I've got the free time, what does my mind naturally wander toward? You see, whatever you think about most is what's the most important thing in your life. And so that's a good, good sign. What do I think about most? The second question I ask myself to determine my priorities is, where does my money go first? Where does my money go first? The Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It determines your priorities or reveals them. And the third question I ask myself is, how do I spend my time? How do I spend my time? Because that reveals the priorities in my life. What I'm saying is this. Show me your checkbook, Stubbs, and show me your calendar, and I'll tell you what's really first in your life. I don't care what you say is number one, what you say you value, what you think is most important. The way you spend your time and the way you spend your money and what you think about most often is what's really top in your life. Now, let me wrap this up by asking you to think about your greatest need, okay? Think about the greatest need in your life right now. Maybe an emotional need, maybe a relational need or physical, whatever. Think about that need in your mind. And then let me ask you this. Once you've got that in your mind, what, which of these four tests are you going through right now where God's testing your faith and how much you're going to trust him? Are you going through the pressure test? And is he seeing, how am I going to handle stress? Turn to him or turn to other things to relieve my stress? How about the people test? How are you handling disappointment? Are you complaining about it? Are you griping about it? Are you, are you realizing that God is a loving God and he knows best for you? And maybe you're trusting in the wrong thing because anyone who trusts in God will not be disappointed. How about the persistence test? Are you keeping your commitment? It's great. Everybody starts off great at the beginning of the marathon, but they start pooping out about halfway through. Are you keeping your commitments to other people and even to God? It's a test. And the priorities test, what is first in my life? Now, some of you saying, Rick, I don't think I'm going to pass this test, any of them, because I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm weak, I'm fatigued, and honestly, I don't think I've got the energy to make this thing last. What do you do? Well, look at God's promise, Isaiah 30, verse 15. If you come back to me and trust me, you will be saved and you will be strong. Notice two things. You'll be salvation and strength. You will be saved and you will be strong. You'll have the strength you need to do the right thing if you come back to me and trust me. That is a promise. 
when you depend on Christ, when you're under stress, and when you trust God's plan, when you're disappointed, and when you keep your commitments, even when it hurts, and when you put God first in your thoughts, and in your money, and in your time, your schedule and your budget, God says two things. One, I will meet all your needs. And two, I will give you eternal rewards in heaven. What a deal. That's Rick Warren with Daily Hope. In a moment, Rick's going to share a closing thought, but right now, I want to tell you about the Daily Hope website, rickwarren.org. When you log on there today, you can get today's entire message, get message notes, social media links, and sign up for Rick's Daily Hope devotional, which is great. Log on now, rickwarren.org. Also, I don't have to tell you that life is filled with really tough situations like stress and crisis, discouragement, depression, failure. But the Bible offers time-tested answers to life's difficult questions, taking you inside the lives of biblical characters like Moses and Paul and even Jesus himself. Pastor Rick has written a book called God's Answers to Life's Difficult Questions. In it, he shares their stories and gives you concrete, easy-to-understand insights that you can put to work immediately in your own life. Now, today, we'd love to send you this special hardback book to thank you for your gift of any amount to support this Daily Hope broadcast. God's Answers to Life's Difficult Questions gives you the keys to a better life. Change may not come overnight, but with patience and prayer, you'll see a difference, and in the process, you'll be encouraged that God can and will help you attain the purpose and significance for which you were created. So please give us a call to request your copy of God's Answers to Life's Difficult Questions at 1-800-600-5004. That number again, 800-600-5004. And now, here's Pastor Rick with a closing thought. Now, I want you to listen very closely to what I have to say. Anytime you expect anyone else, any single person, to meet needs in your life that only God can meet, you are setting yourself up for disappointment and you're setting them up for failure. The Bible says in Isaiah 2.22, you should stop trusting in people to save you because people are only human. (laughs) Isn't that practical? In other words, don't expect a person to be the answer to all your problems. It just isn't going to happen. In truth, when you expect other people to be your Savior, it's going to be disappointing to you. There's only one Savior, Jesus Christ. So we need to stop looking to a man or a woman, or a job, or an experience, or a drug, or a book, or a seminar, or anything else to be the answer to all your problems. The answer is not a principle. The answer is a person. His name is Jesus. And the Bible says, anyone who trusts in me will not be disappointed. Isaiah forty nine twenty three. So, anytime you're disappointed, you need to understand that's a warning light. It's a warning light that you have put your trust in something or someone other than God for your happiness. You've gotten your values misplaced. Disappointment says this is a test. 
Are you going to handle the disappointment by complaining and griping and crying and grieving and worrying? Or are you going to accept that God knows what's best, that God has a loving plan for your life, that God is a good God, that he loves you and he knows more than you do what you need most and what you need best in your life? Will you accept that even the disappointments in your life have a positive purpose, whether you understand it or not? Will you understand that God is more interested in your character than in your comfort or your career or your car or your clothes or your china or anything else? Why? Because you're not taking your career to heaven, but you are taking your character. And God's promise is right there. Anyone who trusts in me will not be disappointed. Disappointment means I'm trusting something else. I'm Rick, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to look in God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Daily Hope Ministries and listeners like you.